Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Today we have a great revenge story where police were called over leaves. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, know-it-all ER doc, meet me. This happened many, many moons ago. The day of my 28th birthday, I wound up in the ER because all weekend long I'd been dealing with nausea, dizziness, fever, and lower right quadrant abdominal pain that all just kept getting worse. When I got back to see a doc, I described my symptoms, for the umpteenth time of course, since they never seem to read the notes, and the doc orders a CBC before he even starts the exam. He of course then starts poking and prodding at my abdomen, which I do my best to relax and breathe through. I still wind up making pain noises, but I do my best to let him do the exam without hurting him back. I know that other women can verify that annual physicals can be extremely painful for some of us, but we've learned to deal with it. For me, I was told that tensing up would make it worse, so I should practice breathing through the exam and doing my best to relax my whole body. By 28, I'd had lots of practice. You'll see why I mention it very shortly. The doctor went off to do whatever he needed to do while he waited for the blood work to come back. Once he'd read the report, he wandered back over to me. He tells me that my white cell count was only slightly elevated, and that since I wasn't tensing up much when he was poking and prodding, that he didn't think it was appendicitis. I explained to him my history of painful exams, and also let him know that my body likes to hide things. For example, I was dealing with massive back pain, and they only found out that my back was actually broken when they decided to go in and do a fusion. It never showed on the scans. Fast forward past about 20 minutes of arguing back and forth, the doc says I could go in and do an exploratory, but if I'm gonna do that, I may as well just take out your appendix while I'm in there. I said, okay, let's do that. I have a request though. Can I have my appendix in a jar so I can see it? They said, sure, I can do that. No problem. I wind up in surgery at 4 a.m. the next day. Once I'm fully awake after surgery, the nurse tells me what happened. I guess they didn't care much for the stock's attitude either. The day after that, the doc is doing rounds with med students in tow and comes to my room. Cue petty revenge. I said, hey doc, where's my appendix? The doc said, um, I'll come back later and talk to you about it. I say, you're here now, just tell me. They say, um, well, we got lucky. I say, how so? They say, we managed to get it out right before it burst. I said, wow. I guess you'll learn to pay more attention to what your patients tell you instead of acting like you know everything just because you have a medical degree. It's frankly sad how many stories I hear of women being in legitimate pain, not even in situations where somebody says their body's trying to hide it or like they have a crazy pain tolerance so they're just not even realizing it, but they just get flat out ignored and marginalized and told, oh, it's just that time of the month or phantom pains or maybe you're pregnant. I've definitely heard a number of them that like quadruple down on saying that you're pregnant, want to get a pregnancy test. It's sad. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you guys enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is, I don't know if this is petty enough for this sub, 
But reading that one about the jerk doctor who missed the severe appendicitis attack reminded me of something that happened 20 years ago next month. New Year's Eve 2003. New Year's Eve 2003. I have had increasingly severe ulcerative colitis for three years. And it reaches the point that that December, I start bed rest because I'm so weak and in so much pain. I start off the month losing one pound a day and by the end of the month, I'm losing two pounds a day, making a total of 30 pounds in four weeks. My primary tells me to go to the ER and calls ahead to let them know she's sending me and why and in we go. After telling the doctor my history and what's going on now, all he does is run a CBC. A couple of hours later, he comes back and says, Your electrolytes are fine. Go home and call your primary after the holiday. I imagine myself standing on the bed in full rage, grabbing him by the throat and screaming, Are you freaking kidding me? That's unacceptable. But all I can do is weakly lift myself up on one elbow and squeak to my wasband to please do something. He goes off, then comes back 15 minutes later and says my primary has gotten me a bed at another hospital. It's major flu season in Minnesota, and there's no room at this one. Patients are on gurneys and hallways waiting for a bed. I get admitted to the other hospital and am immediately put on an IV with a very high dose of prednisone because the plan is to stop the bleeding and send me home on a massive dose of anti-inflammatories, presumably for the rest of my life. The next night, I have to take the colonoscopy prep, but can't keep it down. I keep vomiting it up until the nurse comes in and tells me I don't have to do it anymore, and if the doctor has a problem with it when he does the colonoscopy the next day, you'll have to talk to her. Turns out he can't do it anyway because he can't see any healthy tissue, and if he inserts the scope, he'll rupture it. The following Tuesday, I have my entire sadly beaten up colon removed, after which the surgeon tells me that it was one of the worst he'd seen in 25 years of practice and if i hadn't been on the prednisone 4 my colon probably would have ruptured if i'd gone home as instructed so as soon as i've recovered enough from the surgery to gather my thoughts i call the ombudsman at the other hospital and give her an earful they would have had a major lawsuit on their hands if i had gone home and died and she was appalled at how that was handled Of course, I had no way to find out what happened to him, but I hope he did better after that. I think OP should have straight up filed a proper complaint. I think just complaining to these people over the phone is not going to lead to any real action that's genuinely going to do enough, especially where they may act outraged, but you never really know. They might just turn around and swallow up that complaint. They may just have each other's backs. Our next story is a great doctor schools the postdocs. Back in the 1980s, my dad ran a research lab at a U.S. government hospital that was also attached to a large university. My dad's boss, Dr. Bill, was a lovely person, a competent, compassionate doctor who eventually rose to become chief of medicine at the hospital. One of Dr. Bill's duties was to vet the new postdocs. In this case, a postdoc was someone who had typically just graduated from med school with their doctorate and was beginning research duties at the hospital-slash-university. Although the new doctors were very intelligent, Dr. Bill noticed that a lot of the postdocs had terrible bedside manners. The newly-fledged doctors rarely listened to their patients and often treated the nurses and lower staff poorly. The new doctors were, frankly, both rude and very full of themselves. Their attitudes were wreaking havoc with patient and staff morale and complaints were piling up. Dr. Bill was having none of it. 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. He was never one to shout or give long lectures. Instead, he came up with his own patient intake questionnaire. He sent each new postdoc to my dad for practice, instructing them to verbally question my dad and write the answers down themselves. Have you ever been exposed to polio? Have you ever been exposed to smallpox? Have you ever been exposed to anthrax? Have you ever been exposed to DDT? Have you ever been exposed to HIV? The list was extensive. Banned pesticides, exotic diseases, poisons. My dad answered yes to every question. After the first couple of yeses, most postdocs would stop paying attention to my dad and just circle no all the way down the page. They'd perfunctorily thank my dad and leave to find Dr. Bill. Dr. Bill would look at a questionnaire filled with no's and ask the postdoc how the interview had gone. Fine, Dr. Bill. So, Dr. Bill would reply, You know the patient grew up on a farm in the 1930s and 40s. You know he went to veterinary school in the 50s. You know he's been in deadly contagious disease research since the 60s. All reasons why an individual in the 1980s would have legitimately said yes to all questions. Dr. Bill would rip them up, down, and sideways. You listen to the patients. You ask them follow-up questions. And you treat the rest of the staff with respect. Or you are through at this hospital. The postdocs would shrink a little smaller with each statement. Their egos, usually so pronounced, would deflate all the way down. They looked like fools, and they knew it. 
Most of them shaped up to Dr. Bill's standards of patient care. Those who didn't were let go. Over the years, the experienced postdocs got a lot of joy out of seeing the new postdocs sweat it out. My dad just loved playing the innocent patient. And Dr. Bill got, if not more compassionate doctors, then at least more thorough ones. I mean, obviously, being able to effectively treat whatever condition they're faced with is probably priority number one for a doctor, but I do feel like bedside manner is so crucial. God forbid there's so many people out there that are already just in general afraid to go to the doctor and get care that they need. Just imagine they finally reach out and go through the process of getting that care, showing up, and getting met with a doctor or a primary care physician who just shows an utter lack of care, is callous, is cold. It's the kind of thing that may make somebody second guess ever getting actual treatment again, at least until they literally can't go without it. This next story is, that's why you don't steal food, kid. Back in the day, some kid, let's call him Jacob, loved either stealing my food or throwing it on the floor. Me, being a kind of a fat kid those days, hated that. So my first instinct was to tell on him. Snitching didn't work and Jacob wasn't punished. After a couple of months of starving for four hours, I thought up a revenge plan. I was making a PB&J to bring that day and I had a great idea. I added the most disgusting, evil concoctions to that horrible sandwich. Toothpaste? Check. Chewed up gum? Check. Licked lollipops without a stick? Check. And lastly, a little bit of paper cut out and colored to be the shape of Mario, Sonic, Pac-Man, and Mega Man. Wow, looking back at that, I feel so evil. Got lucky that day, and when Jacob came over, he grabbed my sandwich. He went to his table and took a big, nice, super minty bite out of those two bread loaves, smeared with toothpaste and chewed gum and all of that, with a little bit of PB&J taste as well. He spit it out, shot the bread into the trash can nearest to his table, and yelled, What the freak is this? Never got robbed out of my food again. You know, I've read a lot of stories related to this kind of scenario, especially a lot of them where it's a workplace lunchroom and a coworker is stealing their lunch. Usually the ideal revenge is going spicy or going like cat food. But I recently had a really weird dream and it spurred an idea into my head for something like this. In my dream, I was in a rush and I was just preparing something very quickly for some kind of breakfast. And in the dream, I was making like a PB&J or something. I opened the jam and realized there's like three really solid long hairs. It was the weirdest dream, but it made me think, and this is horrid, but if you have long hair or you want to buy like some cheapo wig, you cut off like three or four really long hairs and sneak it inside a sandwich. What are the chances if they bite into that and they pull this giant hair out of it that they're going to want to keep trying to steal from you in the future? Is that not horrendous? Our next story is, if you make my life heck, I'll try my best to return the favor. Back when I worked in McDonald's as a lobby staff member, we would get rude college kids come into the store, aged around 18 years old. One group were constantly told off for vaping in the store every time they came in. There were also a lot of young children in the store, so I didn't appreciate them vaping THC in a public place. They would vape secretly, in the toilets and at their table. Since we would tell them off for doing it, they would deliberately make a mess in order to punish the staff for it. I'm talking pee and water on the toilet floor, whole rolls of toilet paper blocking the toilets, wet floor signs covering crappy nappies, nappies that had been taken from the disabled or baby changing toilet, 
into the boys' toilet? What floor signs upside down in the toilets that were filled with pee or crap and unflushed? Deliberately making a mess with sugar, salt, and sauces smeared on the table? Sticking tomatoes to windows and pointing at it and laughing at us? Flipping the bird? Making fun of my overweight colleagues, etc.? You get the idea. One time, I was cleaning up their messy table as usual after they had left when I came across a big, heavy, and expensive-looking vape. Ordinarily, I would keep such items in the cupboard in case that person came back, but this one I threw straight in the bin. About an hour later, a panic-stricken boy came in to inquire about his missing vape, whom I recognized as the ringleader of the group. He asked if I'd seen it and said that he had last had it in the restaurant. I said I hadn't seen it and that because of the mess on the table, I had dragged the bin over and swept everything from the table into it to save time. He was visibly crushed and said that it cost his parents 50 British pounds to buy it for him. That he was in trouble for losing it and could I check the bin bags out back for it? I said sure and stood out the back for a few minutes before coming back to say I couldn't find it. Then I made a remark about how he would have seen his vape on the table had it not been covered by burger wrappers. Guess who put all of their rubbish in the bin the next time they came in? It would almost be fun to offer them a chance to rifle through the bin bag themselves to try to find this nasty trash covered, surely smeared with who knows what by now, vape. But knowing their history, they may just make a huge mess, take their vape and leave the rest for OP to clean up again. Our next story is Bucket Woman versus My Underwear, again, an accidental petty revenge. Backstory, I live next door to a house that is haunted by the Bucket Woman, aka Buckety, named because my fiancé Martin says it's like living next door to Hyacinth Bucket. She has decided views about interior design, gardening, rubbish bins, and underwear on washing lines, among other things. She rarely speaks to us these days, but does like to either listen at the fence or watch us from her front yard. So on the weekend, Martin and I were in the front yard with our youngest, Vampira, one-year-old female. Martin was doing some weeding and checking his seaweed art. Vampy and I did some walking practice, then she helped with his planting. All of this was under Buckety's watchful eye, as she ostentatiously held her nose and flapped her other hand in a kind of P.U. gesture. Some people just don't appreciate great art. Because it was a warm day, and because I'm a cougar, I was wearing a tank top and a sports bra, which is how a blowfly managed to fly down my cleavage and start buzzing around inside my bra. If anyone is wondering how this happened, remember, I'm a mom in my 40s, and I was dressed in old clothes for working in the garden. Things were sagging a bit. Usually I'm pretty good at staying calm, but nothing in any training had prepared me for the horrible feeling of having a fly trapped inside my bra while in full view of the street in general, and Buckety in particular. I turned my back on the street and started grabbing at my clothes trying to get the fly out without one, stripping off my top in the front garden, or two, squashing the fly because who wants fly guts, you know, in there? I'd heard Martin asking, what's wrong? While shielding Vampy, he said afterwards he thought I'd been stung by a bee. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? 
we wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. That's when I lost it a bit and shrieked so loudly Buckety could hear. There's a fly in my bra, it's buzzing around my chest. The problem with being in a relationship with a younger man, a week and a half, is there no bloody use in a crisis. My toy boy lover, or liver as autocorrect insists on calling him, collapsed into laughter. Relieved laughter, Martin says. But as bucket woman repellents go, it was crude but effective. I heard a sound that managed to be both a horrified gasp and a strangled cry at the same time, while simultaneously clutching her pearls. Then she went inside and I heard two doors being banged shut, the second one rather firmly. I don't know if Buckety reached her fainting couch or her smelling salts in time, and I don't really care, because the fly escaped, and I was enjoying the feeling of absolute relief that came from not having a big, ugly, blowy buzzing around my boobs. The whole thing probably only took seconds, but it felt like those seconds went on forever. The best part came on Monday. I went out to collect the junk mail. Buckety was in her front garden, and all I had to do was adjust the neckline of my shirt, and she disappeared. So there you have it, my accidental petty revenge on Buckety, who now knows for sure that I have both underwear and the requisite body parts, and will mention both in mixed company. Remember folks, when life hands you lemons, make a trebuchet to fling them back, and when a fly gets near your clothing while your sticky beak neighbor is watching, shout, CHEST! How horrendous is it to think about living in a place that you can call your own, where you just know that there's a neighbor that not only loves to just be out and around and kind of nosy, but specifically has their eyes out to watch you and try to catch you doing anything. I just can't imagine how awful it would feel to go outside and feel like you can't just like enjoy it, you're a spectacle. This next story is, spouse learns how to choose good locations for business calls. When spouse started working from home, I noticed that they had a phone habit that was no big deal when it was just family calling, but it became incredibly annoying during business hours. When spouse would get a business call, they would come to wherever I was in the house. And then, since business calls require some level of professionalism, they would shush me if I made any noise, then give a weary sigh and ask the caller to please say again. Well, okay. I worked in an area with great phone reception in a house full of dead zones. So I decided that when spouse got a call, I would just go do a quick chore somewhere else. Annoying, but we have to work together and all. So next call, spouse came to the bedroom where I was and I went to the other end of the house to unload the dishwasher. I didn't even realize spouse had followed me until I heard the, sorry, could you repeat that? And turned to find spouse standing maybe a foot away from me, making shushing motions. This carried on long enough to be sure it was actually a pattern. Phone rings, spouse appears, I go make a sandwich, get shushed for putting my mayo spreading knife in the sink. Another call, spouse appears, I go outside to the screened in porch to do laundry, get shushed when I drop the full laundry basket on the floor by the dryer. I pointed out the pattern two or three times. Spouse's response to that was no, of course spouse wasn't chasing me around the house and shushing me. That would be ridiculous. It's just coincidence that spouse happened to wander in momentarily while pacing around on the phone. Instead of being silent or leaving the room, I should just go about my business while spouse meanders through. Now, I could have had a whole fight about this, but life's too short to argue with someone who brushes you off completely. 
So, okay. I agreed to accept spouse's perspective as 100% fact. The next time spouse wandered into my office while talking on the phone, I finished up my task and then went to the bathroom. By the way, some important detail here, my dog was a failed service dog due to high anxiety, and when we took him in, he decided that he would be my personal bodyguard. Also, we lived in an older home where the bathroom was so tiny that it was hard to even dry off after a shower. No room for the dog. If I shut him out, he would bark and scratch at the door. So, since it was just adults and the bathroom was situated such that the only reason to be anywhere near it was if it was your destination anyway, I would leave the door open. I'm not sure how much my dignity is worth, but it's less than the price of new woodwork. So there I was, with dog and spouse both standing at the bathroom doorway, with dog worrying that the evil shower might get me, and spouse blathering on about their work history, and I have absolutely had it. Instead of struggling to wash my hands in a tiny trickle of water before slinking away, I stared at spouse as I reached out to flush our horrifically inefficient, gloriously loud toilet from 1964. Spouse was gone before the sound developed enough to become recognizable as a toilet. After the call, I said something to the effect of, The next time you decide to chase me around this house while you're on the phone, I'm going to rearrange the pots and pans. And if you try to tell me that that's not what you just did, I'll put bagpipe music on too. Spouse's new habit is to take important business calls to Spouse's own office. I think what utterly frustrates me here is the lack of awareness. Like, I get it, there's a lot of people out there who are going to make mistakes or have shortcomings or not realize some things, but it irks me when somebody points something out to you like, you're always following me when I take a call, and they just try to marginalize that or ignore that, instead of going the route of, was I doing that? Oh, I guess I'll be more conscious about it in the future then. But I guess that would be too convenient. Our next story is, act like I don't exist. I, 39-year-old male, came from an Asian family. My father's parents lived with us for years. Throughout all the years, my grandmother, my father's mother, has always criticized, berated, and treated my mother poorly. Due to this, and other reasons, my mother finally divorced my father when I was 19. I am introverted and was little contact with my father and grandparents. I didn't have any ill feelings towards my father. I just was focused on school and trying to figure out my future and career at the time. My mom eventually found someone that treats her well and remarried. My father evidently married someone in China, which I found out later. No idea when it happened. One day, my brother, a year and a half younger than me, reached out and said that our father wanted to charter a fishing trip. I told my brother, cool, I'm down as we used to enjoy fishing a lot as a family when we were younger. Unbeknownst to me, a fourth person joined us as we showed up for the charter. That is when I met my stepsister. No idea her age, but I'm guessing 18. Apparently my brother knew and had met her before. Okay, whatever, didn't care. Just there to have fun fishing. In 2019, I was in Cali for my cousin's wedding. I get a call from my brother that our father had a stroke and passed away. I try to get a flight back home. The wedding was the very next day. Both my mother and brother talked me into just staying where I am and returning the day after the wedding. I broke down when I first received the news but kept myself in check throughout the entire time I was still in Cali, so no one knew about the passing and not to ruin my cousin's wedding. I returned home and the funeral was scheduled about five days later. There was a wake. 
My uncles and aunts showed up with my grandmother. I went to greet them. My grandmother completely ignored me. She spoke to my brother and made sure that I hear her saying that my younger brother is the oldest child of the family, pretty much insinuating that I don't exist or am no longer part of the family. Then she was speaking to my stepsister and said that my stepsister and her mother were the only things that made my father happy. Stepsister's mother was not there, as she could not gain entry into the US. Grandmother also blamed my mother for her son's poor health and death. That comment made my blood boil, but I kept my mouth shut. On the day of the funeral, my grandmother was not there because it's ill omen for the parents to be at their children's funeral, in our culture as I'm told. The funeral director was placing the flowers that were purchased from the funeral home around the casket. My brother, mother, and I purchased a set to be placed on the casket. Well, there was a set of flowers on the casket, just wasn't ours. It had a different name on them. Apparently, my grandmother gave the funeral director specific orders to remove our flowers and put the stepsister and her mother's flowers on the casket, not even placing the flowers with the rest that were purchased by other friends and family. It was completely removed. After the funeral, everyone was supposed to meet up at a restaurant for lunch. Well, after the stunt, my mother, stepfather, brother, sister-in-law, and I decided we were not going to join them. We went to a different restaurant without telling anyone else. We had discussed prior to the funeral about paying for the funeral between the three of us, but my mother said she would pay it all even though they'd been divorced for about 15 years. We ended up not footing the bill. Fast forward to early this year, my youngest cousin was getting married. I was assigned a table with the other cousins and their partners. My mother and her partner were assigned to the table with my uncles and aunts and grandmother. I went over to their table to talk to my uncles and aunts. I was standing talking to them. My aunt told me to sit down. There was an empty seat between one of my aunt and grandmother. I sat down in the seats facing towards my aunt as I was talking to her but with my back towards my grandmother. Throughout the night, I never once acknowledged my grandmother. I found out later from my mother and stepfather that she tried to get my attention and was upset that I didn't speak to her, act like I don't exist, and I'll do the same. If somebody shows no empathy, no compassion in a situation where you would say it's a very normal and almost expected to do so, well if they turn around and expect somebody else to do it, it's not a big surprise that they don't get it back. I thought OP was just going to go all the way of just sitting right in their lap and acting like they don't even exist at all. Our next story is, police were called because of leaves. That's gonna cost you. This is recent and very petty, but great. My friend keeps a very clean yard. In the fall, he likes to get all the leaves before it rains, and they become a bench to pull up. His neighbor doesn't care about his yard, as he's owned the house for a few years and still has not moved in. He lives a few states away. As my friend was finishing up sucking up the leaves with his machine, some of them blew into the neighbor's driveway. Maybe 20 leaves total. My friend finished up and went inside. About 20 minutes later, there was a knock on the door and a squad car outside. The officer said they received a complaint about leaves being blown into the driveway. The neighbor had been watching on his doorbell cam and decided this transgression warranted police intervention. You could tell the officer was visibly annoyed, as my friend asked the officer to look at his yard and then his neighbors. The pettiness, the neighbor had an old car shipped and dropped in the driveway about 8 months ago where it has sat ever since. Remember, he still lives a few states away. While my friend told the officer he would clean the leaves promptly, 
He asked the officer if he could do him a favor, check the car for proper tags. The officer saw the car in question and gave a slight smile. While my friend cleaned the leaves out of the driveway, the officers were walking around the car looking at the VIN and running information. You could hear the neighbor on his doorbell asking what the problem was. There is a law that any car that is in the driveway must have tags and insurance on them. The police gave him a call and told him his car was in violation and he either needed to put the car in the garage, which would need to be lifted and dropped in the garage, or get the registration, insurance, and an e-check on the car that can't be driven taken care of within two weeks, or they'll be back to tow the car and ticket him. Dude cost himself a 10-hour car ride to get his car lifted and stuffed in the garage all over a few dead leaves. Now, what's worse, a neighbor who is constantly wanting to watch you whenever you go out there, or a neighbor that is remote, lives a several states away, doesn't take care of their house, but also tries to watch you and monitor you through their doorbell cam. Either one sounds like a great option. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another awesome story of revenge, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.